Thank you.
everyone, and welcome to Ornate Stairwells, a movie podcast. I've got a really weird cadence tonight, and I'm Autumn, and that's Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. This is uh, also, yeah, a weird cadence. What's going on here? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on with either of the way we're speaking. I'm loading <laughs> up Letterboxd so we can do segment one. You watch any movies? Um, I watched one movie. Um, I. I was planning to watch more, and then um, I played Tales of Arise instead, and also uh-huh. I've been reading a lot of independent people by Haldor Laxness. But um, I did watch Machen in Uniform, finally, because I kept saying that I was going to watch that. Um, you have kind of already asserted, uh, this, was, this was your decision. I want everyone to know I was not the one who said, let's do the Japanese movie. You have already asserted that we should do uh, Funeral Parade of Roses in the slot where I was debating between the two. So that's already in there. We're okay. doing Funeral Parade of Roses. Machen in Uniform was also very good. Um, it's maybe slightly less of a, a Stairwells movie, um, just like in terms of what that means compared to Funeral Parade of Roses. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure I'll bring it at some point, so I'm not going to go into um, a ton of detail other than Lem's here joining me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is, it's very gay. <laughs> um, it's incredibly gay for just, like, watching a movie from 1931. Um, there's just, like, entire scenes where the point of it is, like, the girls all hanging out and being like, look what this girl can do. And then she like takes a deep breath and it makes her like blouse burst open. Um, yeah, it's just a bunch of girls in like a boarding school. And um, it's kind of incredible how like basically all of them are gay. <laughs> um, but the the main thing is, um, so a lot of girls have a crush on this teacher. Um, and then the main character girl, um, one of the things I'm sure we'd talk about more if we, we did it, but is I think the movie kind of does stuff that makes it feel like they're doing like, oh, this is kind of like a fantasy or dream shot. Um, or they're like elevating how she might be perceiving interactions. So sometimes it's actually unclear how reciprocal like her love for her teacher is. Um, but I mean, there is like a scene where they, they kiss. But again, that could be like abstracting how she's feeling about the moment. Um but yeah, and then uh, basically kind of culminates in like a almost this moral, uh, like it, it feels very moralizing in the way that like 1931 movies can be, except the moral is like, hey, if you're a homophobe, like that actually extremely hurts people who are just like trying to express love. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> um, <laughs> which again, just like stands out for something that you're watching from 1931. Um, but yeah. the... the yeah. Um, so it's a, like, it's the kind of movie where I'm sure if you made a movie that had this exact same plot right now, people will be like, oh, like tragic lesbians or whatever. Um, and this is like so problematic, a, a girl and her teacher. But I just watched it. And I was like, no, this is actually a pretty good, like, movie about this stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a little messy, but like, it's 1931. Jesus Christ. Um but yeah, the the big thing here, rating stairwells, there are a bunch, um, or really there's like two big ones, but there are just so many scenes that occur on them. Um, one of them is this like more fancy curving stairwell um, that's like 
at the front of the school. Or it's basically just like one staircase, but um only like the the headmistress and like I think one other like her like assistant or whatever is allowed to take that staircase and everyone else has to do this one that's like a very big um square like going up all of the floors of the school. Um and there's just a, a ton of scenes including like pivotal final moment scenes that occur in especially the big like square stairwell. Um, I would say a significant portion of this movie is shot on stairs. <laughs> um, so I gave it an S. It just incredible for stairs. Um, yeah. And again, like big climactic scenes occur on these stairs. Um, we get lots of different shots of these stairs. It's great. Um, I watched three movies however i was sleepy and high for all three of them and i don't think i finished any of them (laughs) so uh if people want my thoughts on john wick um you can listen to the episode of export that was recorded earlier today that should be out soon um i'm sure by the time this is out it will be out oh certainly um 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 um, what else was i gonna say i watched i'll talk i'll talk a little bit about john wick i guess um it's like a really good movie but also uh i think people like it maybe like a just a pinch more than it deserves because no one makes good action movies anymore and so it's like a bit overrated i think does that make sense like it's still a good movie i'm not saying it's not a good movie what what like makes it significant is that it's being made in like hollywood currently um yeah and that like if this was just a different time or like place, it would just be like, Oh yeah, there's lots of good action movies. This if this movie came out in nineteen ninety seven, it would be largely forgotten. <laughs> yeah. This is how I felt about Atomic Blonde when I saw it as well. Where I was like, This is a really well done action movie, and yet like what's notable is the fact that I'm watching it right now, like in in a theater and it just came out. Um and not that it's like actually that notable as an action movie. Um. Um. But yeah, I I liked it, and I'll, I I got a little more in depth of my thoughts on export, so I won't redo too much of it here. But um, beyond that, I, Nora put on Bright Samurai Soul, which is an animated <laughs> prequel film to Bright, the Will Smith Netflix movie. Um, I didn't understand it. I could not figure out what was happening in the plot of that film, and so... Oh. <laughs> um, and then... Um, last, but certainly not least, um, it was Halloween, and so Nora and I did our Halloween thing, which was, of course, to watch um, Van Helsing, the 2004 Hugh Jackman vehicle, Um flawless movie you know what i will actually i'm gonna put um our things are slightly off somehow oh we didn't 
we didn't do bonus movies for episode 19 and so that's why this is a diff- the wrong color yeah i was okay. watching you turn it into the pink color and i was like no it's supposed to be green okay i'm i'm turning it back i'm putting van helsing on the list um uh, that's a great fucking movie that's an incredible movie <laughs> um if people are not familiar with Van Helsing, or worse, are only familiar with it by reputation of being a um, box office bomb, and um, I think it has a reputation of being a pretty bad movie. I think that reputation is totally undeserved. I think we didn't know what we had in 2004, um, and that they were never going to do shit like this again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... I think Van Helsing is a phenomenal movie. Um, it's got so many sequel hooks that just don't go anywhere because they thought they were going to make two more of these and they didn't. Um, it's got like terrible 2004 CG, but like, and I understand why at the time you looked at that CG and you're like, oh, this is terrible. But now, in a world where everybody every week is like, wow, look at this terrible CG. This is the best movie ever made um, because I only watch Disney films. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the trashiness of Van Helsing carries a certain charm that just isn't replicated anymore. Um, yeah. um, oh, I love this movie so much. Uh, Nora and I watch it every year on Halloween for a reason. Um You've got uh, so Hugh Jackman and the guy playing Dracula just acting the hell out of this movie. Just, like, chewing up every line for no reason at all. Um, and I gave it a S on the stairwell sc- uh, scale because while I was sleepy and high and couldn't tell you um, any specific <laughs> stairwells in this movie... I know that there are like 80 of them and I know that they're all wonderful. Um, I guess the specific one I'll shout out is that in one scene, Dracula is pissed off. And so he's like ranting and pacing and he just paces directly up a a wall. He just walks 90 degrees into the air. Um, (laughs) That's not a stairwell, but it is a stairwell when you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm also reasonably sure that um, the best scene in the movie, which is when um, Dracula invites Van Helsing to a ball, uh, like a masquerade ball, um, and Van Helsing walks in, and Dracula is like, ladies and gentlemen, Van Helsing, and... um, Van Helsing is, like, dancing at the ball, and he looks at these huge mirrors, and no one is in the mirrors because the entire ball is filled with uh, vampires <laughs> other than him. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. And I'm I'm reasonably certain there's a stairwell somewhere in that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's fucking stupid as shit. <laughs> um, that is just, like, Nora's favorite movie, right? Uh, one of them, certainly. Yeah, that and, like, Star Wars. It's like, when Nora and I started dating, she was like, we have to watch Van Helsing for Halloween, and I was like, I don't want to watch that, that's a bad movie. I hadn't seen it, 
I just knew by reputation that that's a bad movie. I was like, no, I'm not watching that. And like 20 minutes into that movie, um, the first time we watched it together, I was like, I am a fool to listen to the masses. We didn't know what we had in 2004. Um, It is too long. That is the one thing is that like all action movies of a certain ilk, it's too long. It it could be 20 minutes shorter and not lose that much. I don't know what those 20 minutes would be. I don't know what I would cut, but it's too long. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um, speaking of movies that I don't really know what I would cut, but are too long, do we want to move on to the main movie for? I know what I would cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. There was that one part where it, like, was dragging a little bit. but The move? Okay. Hmm. I guess we should talk about like this movie first, and then we'll talk about. Um... People can look at the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So we we're talking about 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, um, starring literally everybody. <laughs> Anybody who had a career in 1992, and a few people who didn't. Um, <laughs> is in this movie um I mean, and also just very obviously that person right yes like even gary oldman like in all of the old makeup is still just really obviously gary oldman just hamming it up like like <laughs> my favorite moment is when tom waits is on it shows up as renfield and you're just like that's tom waits yeah that's Tom Waits. <laughs> anyway. Just, yeah, and then new characters keep getting introduced, so you're just, like, further into the movie, and you're like, that's Carrie Elwes. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Elwes, a person who did not have a career in 1992, I would argue. Um, well, Twister's 1996. Uh, yeah. Let's see, let's see. Hot Shots in 91... The Jungle Book in 94. These aren't good movies, but he was in movies that are of note throughout the 90s. Um, yeah. So I take back my my unkind words about Carrie Elwes and his Plus, career. The Princess Bride was only like five years ago. That's still enough to be like, oh, hey, Carrie Elwes, the Princess Bride. I- <laughs> Earlier today, we did Gotham about... Um, uh, Beware the Grey Ghost, which is an episode about like you know, about being Adam West in 1992, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, being this, like, actor who had a role, like, that got really big and in some ways that, like, hurts your career because now people can only see you as that role. Um, I think of Carrie Elwes as, like, the pinnacle of that guy because, like, like he is so much just the guy from the princess bride that i i cannot see him in anything else without just being like that's the guy from the princess bride yeah um Um, he was also robin hood and robin hood men in tights and you're maybe too young to remember this but that was like a huge movie at the time i um um, my all my um Oh, what's his name? I have Mel, Mel Gibson Brooks. and Mel Blanc. Thank you. Okay, I was getting all the wrong Mel's. Um, <laughs> um, 
yeah, I'm more or less too young to like really know about any um like how Mel Brooks movies like were perceived before home video because like all of my <laughs> all of my Mel Brooks knowledge is like well yeah he just rented Spaceballs like constantly because Spaceballs was funny and so to me I think of Spaceballs as a huge hit I don't know if that's true I think of um uh what's the other one that I really like Blazing Saddles as like I think of Blazing Saddles as his biggest movie I don't know that that's true I just know that when I was 20 years old, that's the one that everybody knew every line to. <laughs> um, I I was just laughing because of the idea of like how Mel Brooks was perceived before home video. And we extremely had home video back when like Robin Hood Men in Tights came out. <laughs> okay, well, fuck you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I watched Spaceballs on VHS. Okay. We didn't yeah. have DVD yet, but we had VHS. <laughs> I think of VHS as like a 90s thing, even though I know that's objectively not true. Like, yeah. I, I know that that is not true. I just think of it as the 90s. I mean, so. that's like the heyday of it, but um, VHS was like in the 80s as well. Yeah. But also Robin Hood Men in Heights is... 93 that's um, fully VHS. is it really i didn't yeah. realize that i w- i would have guessed like 88 i would have guessed like it... immediately after princess bride i'm trying to think if there's like any major mel brooks that i would think about after um um i guess the other like mel brooks movie that i think about like i think about blazing saddles and i think about young frankenstein as being like his biggest movies once again don't know if that's true i just Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein came out in the same year? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Go to hell. Um, <laughs> so I guess he had two other movies. Well, he didn't direct the 2005, the producers. He mm. did the, the 67 one. But I guess he was a, a writer and producer on the producers. Um. But I guess the last movie it looks like he directed was Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Um, really? Oh, I saw this as a kid. Um, it has Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I'm. Dracula. I'm. Va- I've seen clips of Dead and Loving It. Um, yeah. Um. I which... feel like Robin Hood Men in Tights is like the last big one that like yeah. feels significant to me. There, I haven't seen Men in Tights, but like I know certain lines from it. I I know like you know certain bits from it. Um, right, that's the first movie that Dave Chappelle's in. Weird. <laughs> we are so far afield of talking about Bram yeah. Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, this all feel. I got. I was trying to get us back there with Dracula dead and loving it. Um, I, okay. I, I want to, I feel it's necessary to like give some light context for like when, when, uh, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula is coming out in France, in Francis Ford Coppola's career. Cause I think like, I think giving this context kind of explains why this movie is the way that it is. Yeah. Um, 
so uh, Francis Ford Coppola, very famous director for many reasons. Um, most famous for like his his seventies, um, The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, Apocalypse Now. Like those four movies yeah. he directs throughout the seventies. Uh, and other things that he worked on. He's, like, the biggest director in the world. Like, all the box office success, all the critical acclaim, like, literally everything you could ever want. Um, and then Apocalypse Now, it's like, okay, huge success, both critically and commercially. Very expensive movie. Very mm-hmm. difficult movie. Um, uh, it, like was was sort of like foretelling like how bad things were about to get because immediately after apocalypse now he does one from the heart which is uh in my mind it is a um uh, in my mind it is a musical starring tom waits i don't know that that is true it's just what i think that it is um, um yeah oh it's just that the music is done by tom waits okay yeah um one from the heart is one of the most famous like box office bombs in hollywood history it was a fantastically expensive movie they spent everything on this movie it didn't make a fucking dime um yeah (laughs) and uh Coppola subsequently spends like basically the next 10 years of his career trying to dig out of the hole that he dug for himself with one from the heart because that movie was such a huge bomb uh starts to get out of it with um the godfather part three in 1990 which is just a cash grab and is a pretty mid movie both commercially and critically but like starts to get him out of this hole and the idea with this movie, Dracula, the follow-up to The Godfather Part 3, was we're going to shoot this all on sound stages. Um, we're going to have a lot of star power, so it'll be a big hit, but we're, we're not going to spend any money on this. It's all going to be on sound stages. But Francis Ford Coppola cannot help being himself and sp- <laughs> makes the most expensive soundstage movie you could possibly make, where he's getting, like painters like real ass painters to like storyboard every single shot not every scene every single shot in this movie has to be meticulously like frame by frame storyboarded um to perfection um spends every penny he has on costumes that look atrocious love the costumes in this movie oh they're incredible i wouldn't want them any other way <laughs> like yeah big shout out to ishioka eiko who did the costumes here they're fantastic <laughs> spins like just spends like a lot of time and a lot of money um just meticulously laying out every single frame of this movie before they even roll film. Um, and, you know, that's all pre-production. Um, Francis Ford Coppola production is all, is, you know, famously um, always over budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he just makes an 
absolutely ridiculous movie. Um, I am most familiar with this movie as just being like the butt of many internet jokes as people are like, oh, look at this like silly, ridiculous thing. Um, and uh, it is just the most stairwells movie we've watched so far. <laughs> 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 it, is, it is simply the most stairwells movie that could possibly exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is this is like what I find so bizarre about this movie as well is um, like it, there's a certain amount to which like Hollywood has been moving past Coppola as you you've laid out here. Um. And he's, like, trying to do what would be this, like, very big blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampire movies are big in the 90s. Um, this is definitely a time where you can just, like, list actors on a poster. Certainly, you know, Winona Ryder and Gary Oldman and um, Anthony, like Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Like, you yeah. can just put those names on a poster and somebody's going to, you know, people are just going to be like, well, I'll go see that. Sure, whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually don't know exactly how much of a success this was. Let me quick check, like, um, box office stuff. Um, yeah, opened with a November record of uh, 30,521,679. Um, it was the ninth highest grossing film of the year worldwide. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, it set an opening weekend record in the United Kingdom of four million, which beat the record previously set by Ma- Batman Returns. Um, huh. So, like, yeah, this this was the success. Um, but also, this like, th- this so movie and Batman <laughs> Returns are kind of of a piece in my head. Actually, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so some of it is like, it feels of this time. Um, Hmm. again, like there are parts of this that do not entirely, but like to some degree evoke the stuff that like Tim Burton is doing. And I don't just say that because of Winona Ryder. There's like a, a, um, there is a certain expressionist quality to this, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense drawing from like vampire stuff. Um, but and there's like a, a extreme level of artifice in this movie. Um, and this is one of the things that I find most fascinating about it and most enjoyable is that I feel like there's almost a mode here that is something that like what a lot of Disney movies are going for now. Mm-hmm. But instead of it being this just extremely over budget, like you know, pouring so much money into costumes and into like building these lavish soundstage sets and everything. Um, they do it all in CG and they don't do it with like this meticulous attention to mm-hmm. detail that is happening here. And so it's so lifeless compared to this. Yes. But well, like and... both of them are, are operating in this like realm of um, highly controlled artificiality. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just doing it well and like in ways that are fun to see because there's just, you know, wild special effects happening. Um, yeah. That's the thing is that like modern like CG movies um, have this art of have 
the same sort of like artificiality that this movie has, but where so many like modern blockbusters try to obfuscate that, try to make the CG blend in with um, the stuff that is real, the the very small number of things that actually are real, <laughs> um, you know, it tries to blend that and obfuscate the unreality. Whereas like, you know, Coppola is, you know, New Hollywood is steeped in, like, French New Wave, is, like, you know, pulling on, like, pulling on, like, 1931 Dracula, is pulling on, like, Herzog Nosferatu, is pulling on, like, uh, Murnau Nosferatu, is pulling on, like, you know, just everything, everything through from all throughout the like cinematic history to yeah. like build an artificiality that is like purposeful like like um you know dracula is like a wizard in this fucking movie <laughs> like he's performing yeah. magic and the the way that he performs magic is through the medium of film itself where like you'll get a shot of like lucy laying in her bed and then you'll see like composited onto that shot just gary oldman's eyes and like like dracula is using the medium of film this composite shot to like affect change in lucy and make her horny <laughs> you yeah know? um it's even stuff of like like german expressionist like dracula stuff is going to have shadows and sometimes it'll be like painted shadows on the wall or they will just really play up the shadow of like as someone walks up or down a staircase or whatever mm-hmm. um and this is like well no it's 92 now and i'm francis ford coppola so we need a separate person dressed in the exact same like same build <laughs> and dressed in the exact same like costume and makeup you know like hairdo or whatever <laughs> as gary oldman and we're gonna have his shadow being projected so that the shadow (laughs) is doing things differently than gary oldman (laughs) um and it's incredible it's just great every time there's the shot of like him reaching and then his shadow makes the thing fall and everything um Mm. it's just like i love it i love it all (laughs) it's so good um the Um. the other thing here just to put this out here that makes this so much better than like anything that Disney would do right now um, is this movie fucks really hard. <laughs> this movie is so horny. Disney would never let a movie be this fucking horny. No, it's not. It's not Disney. It's no movie studio yeah. makes porn. <laughs> this movie is. It's not. It's like the most softcore thing ever. But like this movie is. Two hours long, almost on the dot. It's it's two oh seven, but the last seven minutes are credits because this is a stupid expensive yeah. movie. <laughs> this this is a this movie has seven minutes of credits in nineteen ninety two without CGI. <laughs> so that's you know where we're at with that. Um, this no one on planet Earth is making a movie about just like actors like getting their tits out every five minutes 
Gary Oldman's got his yeah. tits out. Winona Ryder's got her tits out. Uh, Winona Keanu Ryder's got Reeves her tits got out. S- yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves has his tits out. Um, <laughs> like a, a solid half of the cast per- <laughs> will have a scene where they just writhe on a bed moaning. What? <laughs> Fucking Anthony Hopkins gets a like make out with Winona Ryder. Everybody's getting it in this movie. Yeah. No one makes this movie anymore. No movies are this fucky. <laughs> no indie movies are not fucky like this anymore. Because everybody can just go watch porn. <laughs> you have it on your phone. <laughs> it's so good though. There's no reason to make a movie like this, but Francis Ford Coppola did. <laughs> I love that this movie can both put Gary Oldman in that like weird old man makeup and be this fucky at the same time. My favorite part about that is that when he's in the old man makeup, he wants to fuck Keanu Reeves, and when he's in <laughs> when he looks like Gary Oldman, he wants to fuck Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um. To 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 um to jump ahead just a bit, we got an email from M about this movie, uh, which I am pulling up right now because it ties into the thing that we were talking about. Um, M, uh, blah 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 blah, a heightened yet consistently shoddy movie that still manages to capture a sort of frenzy that I had never seen before when I watched it as a kid. Um, doesn't go as far as camp, but it's within spitting distance. Um, my question. Coppola's movie strips out most of the racial themes of Dracula by slamming the cast full of popular actors doing bad accents. It also manages to more or less take Mina's functional role as vampire-killing archivist out of the movie and yet still manages to make her work as a character. However, do you think the movie at all captures the deep societal fear that dark Europeans would come and fuck all our good Christian wives? I don't really. Young Oldman is a weirdo and maybe a bit of a fop, but that's about as far as it goes for me. So it's definitely not, like, racialized in the way that, like, the novel is. But this movie is about, like, a deep fear that, like, you know, a goth guy is going to show up and cuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, there there are multiple scenes of Keanu Reeves just like getting twenty four seven sucked off by a, three vampire women, um, and being like, "I can't enjoy this because I'm being cucked." <laughs> like, like Dracula the novel is like very like weirdly raced uh, in this way that Evan talks about. That is not in this movie, but there is a deep-seated sexual anxiety to mm-hmm. to this movie about like <laughs> i i do think it is about like these people are going to come and fuck all our good christian wives i just think it's not about like you know scary dark europeans from transylvania <laughs> now it's just about like like bisexual goth dudes <laughs> yeah which i is kind of always um Maybe, uh, so, so, I am, like, mid on Dracula as a novel. I will partially credit that to the two times I have read it. One being for, um, I was dating somebody who, it was their favorite book, and so I just was supposed to read it, and I was like, 
well, just fucking get through this. And the second time being for class. So maybe I am mid on Dracula as a novel for these reasons. I've always been kind of mid on it. But my... I, I do have a deep, deep attachment to this movie, to this story that mostly comes out of um, the Murnau and the Herzog Nosferatu movies. Yeah. Um, and the, the Herzog Nosferatu movies movie leans fully into, like, I'm going to get cucked by this guy who also wants to fuck me, and that's terrifying. Bruno Gantz yeah. is so scared of getting fucked by Klaus Kinski, but also he kind of wants it. And this movie, like, dips its toe into that a little bit before mostly pivoting into the getting cucked fear, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's that shaving scene, and that shaving scene is, yeah. again, yeah. like, the ability to make it that horny when Gary Oldman is wearing that makeup is incredible. <laughs> No, I'm not saying that like old people can't be attractive. I'm just saying that that makeup is like specifically just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't uh, look at at old man Gary Oldman in this movie and go like, "Oh, that's just him aged up." I'm just like, "What the fuck are you doing with this makeup?" <laughs> this is <laughs> Gary Oldman in old man makeup is kind of what it looks like if you were to colorize um, the 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 scenes of Orson Welles in old man makeup in Citizen <laughs> <laughs> Kane. I am positive that that's what it would look like in color. <laughs> there are, there are a few shots of the old man Gary Oldman where it's just Emperor Palpatine. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well so you know um famously like they didn't want it to look like they didn't want him to look like bella lugosi like they yeah they they're pulling a lot from 31 dracula but they don't want him to look like bella lugosi so they go as far away from that as they can um but unfortunately the opposite end of the spectrum from bella lugosi is somehow emperor palpatine <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I like how I'm just not that I don't know what Bella Lugosi looks like but as we're talking about him I just want to see my man again. Um and so I was googling it and it's just like you want to listen to Bella Lugosi's dead, right? <laughs> like no no that's later when the podcast is over. Um, um God I love our boy Bella Lugosi. I, you know what I was thinking about over Halloween? Um, I don't know that I've seen 31 Dracula in like five or six years. I need to I need to revisit it. It's been a yeah. while. It's been a while. Um, I also need to double check because I know Spanish Dracula was on Criterion Channel for October. I should make sure it's still there because if it's if it's not, I'm very sad because I I haven't seen Spanish Dracula in an exceptionally long time. Um, um. Uh, since you're talking I, about Spanish Dracula, <laughs> I, I'll explain what I mean by Spanish Dracula in case people don't know, because this movie is not impossible, but hard to come by in the U.S. and certainly not like a thing that is like known sometimes that in the days. It, so during the production of 1931 Dracula, during, you know, the nine to five normal working hours, they were shooting Dracula, Bela Lugosi, you know it, you love it. Um, 
And at night, a different cast and crew came in and shot the same film, more or less, but in Spanish. Um, And this is a, you know, if you know, you know, like, this is a beloved version of the movie. I, I, other than missing Bela Lugosi, I prefer Spanish Dracula to 31 Dracula. But there is, you know, there is a gravity to Bela Lugosi that you just cannot match. Um, And it was on Criterion, at least for the month of October, and I should see if it's still there. Um, anyway so uh, a somewhat related thing in terms of there's another version of dracula um this is just a a fun little fact that um i find just extremely fascinating um i was like following this when when stuff about it was starting to like break um so when Dracula was first published, like literally just a couple years later, a translation was published in Iceland under the name Macht Mjokrana, which means the power of darkness. And for a really long time, like what I'm about to say was unknown. So the um, Icelandic translation was in uh, 1897. Um, in 2014, scholars discovered that the Icelandic translation is actually a different book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so essentially there's like, they're still trying to figure out exactly how this happened because, um, it does seem like there was some involvement from Bram Stoker. And so they, they wonder if like he was actually working with the person who wrote the Icelandic language version. Um, and that it was like a weird collaborative, like early versions of the novel, things like that. Um, I don't know if there's been an English like translation, like translating the Icelandic version back into English, but, um, I guess there have been like later, translations in the Icelandic of um, Dracula or like people have read like, Oh, here's the English one. And then the Icelandic one. Um, And most people say that the Icelandic one is actually better. Uh, It's better paced and is also way, way fuckier. (laughs) Um, Apparently it's just incredibly horny. I'm going to just, I'm going to read this from the Wikipedia because Mokt Mikrana does have its own Wikipedia, which is great. Um, in 2014, Dutch scholar um, Hans Corneel de Roos uh, first noticed the Icelandic version of Dracula was not, in fact, a translation. Uh, in 2017, de Roos translated Macht Mikurana into English under the title Powers of Darkness, the lost version of Dracula. So this... I'll have we, to find this and read it. Yeah, yeah. The three theories are that, yeah, that... The translator changed the story um, that Stoker provided him with a first draft um, that he chose not to use for the version he published in 1897. Um, Supporting the first draft theory is this fact that Stoker's widow had an obsession for suing people who used Dracula without her permission, um, and yet Asmundsen was never sued despite the differences between Mikrana and Dracula. uh, and a synthesis view holds that Mach Mikrana is the result of both Osmundson changing the book and that he used a rejected first draft. <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> um, I uh, random little thing. I love the ways that like every because the y- y- so I believe. Let me look. Um, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Um, to my to my recollection, I always I knew that. Dracula was published in 1897, but to my recollection, it always took place in, like, 1860 or something. Um, but, like, um, I love the ways that, like, because this movie takes place in 1897, at the very least. Um, 1897. Yeah, 1897. Um, <clears throat> like, Coppola just is like, oh, yeah, and they went to go see, you know, the train is gonna oh no the train's gonna come at the screen at them they go to like early movie showings basically <laughs> yeah uh to do this like sort of like commentary on like the nature of film and entertainment and like eroticism and blah 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 um i i don't think it's that deep i just think that uh coppola probably thought to himself wouldn't it be cool to put a bunch of other movies in my movie yeah. um and i think because like Murnau's nosferatu is one of the most important movies ever certainly one of the most important movies of the silent era you cannot make a dracula movie without like saying the word nosferatu somewhere and so i'm glad that um at one point anthony hopkins just gets out a big book that says vampire on it (laughs) and then he says vampire nosferatu (laughs) as if it's the sort of like latin name as if it was like you know um fucking what's like the latin like the 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 genus and species name of yeah. like vampires is like nosferatu <laughs> vampire <laughs> great um also every time anthony hopkins says yeah in this movie is good <laughs> yeah um I also love the part where he says wind three times, and the first time he goes wind, and then he goes wind, and then he goes wind. <laughs> my my favorite part, my favorite bad accent in this movie is not Keanu Reeves saying Budapest, or what is it? Budapest. Budapest. That's not my favorite part. My favorite part is that he does it a second time. <laughs> yeah. He does it twice. He says Budapest, which makes me think that it makes me think that Keanu Reeves thinks that that's how you say that place. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said it. Nobody corrected him. And then he said it again. And then still <laughs> nobody corrected him. <laughs> this is. I remember uh, in the early 2010s and late 2000s hanging out on the internet, um, Keanu Reeves, like, before John Wick, Keanu Reeves was not, like, beloved in the way that he is. I think people, like, there was a time where, like, his career was, like, on a down note, and I think he had a reputation as, like, a person who can't act. Um, yeah, because I very distinctly remember this movie constantly being brought up like, listen to this motherfucker try to do any type of accent. He's incapable. He just talks like he's 
He just talks like Keanu Reeves all the time. Now everybody is wrapped back around to loving Keanu Reeves, and so that's actually good that he can't do any accent. <laughs> that he just sounds yeah. like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, there was definitely, like, even when The Matrix came out, which was, like, you know, a movie that people were like, oh, this is really good Keanu Reeves. It was specifically because they're like, well, yeah, what he can do is be, like, Bill and Ted and just say, whoa, which is what you need for, like, The Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just need someone who's just, like, surprised all the time and confused about what's going on. Yeah, um, they, people like him in The Matrix, but it's not because of his, like, deep acting chops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I love him in this movie though. <laughs> He's so good. He's incredible. Yeah, I guess um, I never I never said. I don't know if this is um, you know, I'm talked about seeing it as a kid. I also saw this when I was very little. Mm-hmm. Um again, too young to be watching an R-rated movie, which I believe this is. Um mm-hmm. but just no control over my media diet. At that point, I was the youngest of five. Um, and it made like, so this is like my exposure to vampires as I watched this movie. Um, definitely made an impression on me about how horny vampires are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in a way that like a lot of other stuff, a lot of especially big movies, I feel like don't go to like quite the lengths that this movie does to just be like, no. Like they are supposed to be like scary, sexy things. <laughs> I because um, don't cool. don't get me wrong. I love like Nosferatu, but like that motherfucker is not hot at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think of like Herzog Nosferatu as an incredibly fucky movie. Um, I was talking about the Murnau one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, like that movie. 79 Nosferatu is not operating on the level that this movie is of just, like, total sexual paranoia and also eroticism. (laughs) Um, I just had one more thought about, uh, uh, about, uh, Keanu briefly, um, which is that I knew he was famous in the 90s. I knew that, like, objectively in my head that he was, like, very famous in the 90s, um, I, 1991, he did Point Break, Bogus Journey, and My Own Private Idaho, and then in 92, he does Dracula. I did not maybe realize that, like, in 1992, you could just say, Keanu Reeves is in this movie, and literally everybody in the country, someone's gonna like one of those three movies. Yeah. (laughs) I did not realize that in 1992, Keanu Reeves is a huge box office draw. (laughs) Because I think of him as the dorky man going through like a huge career renaissance now. Um, Yeah. No, he was was big when this movie came out. Yeah. Um, Like, I feel like everybody who's like anyone who you would recognize in this movie um, yeah was was honestly like you know at a, a potential height of their career i will say maybe yeah. not the only one but like you know anthony hopkins is at the height of his career certainly <laughs> yes um <laughs> anthony hopkins has had some other peaks uh but but 1992 he like 
he's not getting any more famous than he was in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for Winona Ryder, like Beetlejuice was 88. Um, Edward Scissorhands was 90. Like I, this is, okay. this is like appealing to a, a different crowd, but definitely a crowd that you want to get watching your Dracula movie. Right. I, so I know that stranger things, like when stranger things hit, it felt like everybody's like, oh, is is Winona Ryder going to get like a, a career revival? And it feels like that didn't happen. And I'm deeply upset about this. Yeah. Um, I want like I want Winona Ryder to have a um, like career revival on the level that Keanu Reeves has had. Um, I don't care about the shoplifting. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I've never in my life cared about shoplifting. I, um, it, she's too rich and famous to be shoplifting but yeah i, I still can't don't stress this care. enough i don't <laughs> give a shit <laughs> um um i yeah. i just think that she's phenomenal and i think she should be way more famous in in 2010 obviously you know people who like 80s and 90s movies are fucking familiar with anona writer she's winona writer uh <laughs> uh Oh, she is. It's only four years, so like it makes sense. Um, she looks identical to how she looks in Beetlejuice in a way that's very funny. It like <laughs> you could tell me that these two movies were shooting simultaneously, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, because <laughs> she does look like she walked from one set to the next and just did a makeup change, <laughs> or not a makeup change, a costume change. She's like, no, 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 I've got, we're good, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the makeup change if, she, if she's supposed to be a little bit more normal but um especially later on it's just like no same makeup yeah <laughs> um, um yeah this is... okay okay <laughs> two things one this movie's fucking great i love this movie a lot two the last 30 minutes of it drag the fuck on <laughs> i mean it it ends strong. I like it the ends, ending a lot. It ends strong. The, the 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 problem is that it hits the climax with um Mina and Gary Oldman like fucking and like Van Helsing and the the four husbands like um like intruding on this and like you know Gary Oldman is in like full like vampire probably a stunt double is in full vampire like bat um attire uh like that is like the climax of the movie and then there is somehow another 20 minutes that doesn't do much other than the last five the last five really hit yeah. um because all the stuff that i all, all the stuff that i'm gonna take away from this movie all the like images and like vibes and, and fuckiness all that's from like the first hour and change hour 20 something like that it, yeah. it it slows down a little bit. It kind of falls falls off the rails a little bit. This um, the, I'm not saying this could be a 90 minute movie, but it could be like an hour 45. Yeah, I think some of it too is that like at that moment it's getting to the part where they're just trying to kill Dracula, and mm. the like the action isn't why you're watching this movie, and it's not that good and. I don't want this movie to end with, like, an elaborate action scene. 
right? Yeah. Like, I don't want, like, great choreography for a fight with Dracula or something. Um, yeah. It's just, like, get to the part where, like, he gets stabbed, and then we can get the Winona Ryder taking him to the, like, church chapel thing or whatever well and um, i think they they want to go back to transylvania partially because that's a really like the castle dracula set is a good set and partially because um like that's what they do in the novel and i kind of think he could have just staked him in england and called it a day like i think he could have just cut the bit where you chase him back to transylvania you know yeah um, um the movie just kind of loses steam a little bit that's all yeah um or like just find a way to make because the the one great part about it is that you get to echo the scene from the beginning mm-hmm. in that little temple space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like you can you could echo it in a different way, or you could just like get to Transylvania so much faster. Yeah. Um. um but other than that, good episode or not good episode, good fucking movie. Yeah. Um, this is a, a slightly weird movie just because like a, a slightly weird movie to talk about because there's a lot that happens in it, but like most of it is just what happens in the book. Like we didn't do a plot synopsis because it's fucking Dracula. Like I, I'm not going to do a synopsis of the entire book of Dracula. I assume that you've, I don't assume that everybody listening to this has read Dracula, the novel, but I assume that you have cultural osmosis enough to know that like a guy goes to castle dracula he gets stuck there dracula comes to england and like turns people into vampires like i assume you know that like i don't think that's a i uh, yeah i think that's a (laughs) most people probably loosely get the idea of Dracula, he's an evil vampire guy, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but it, yeah, it just also makes it weird because this is a, a movie that has so much plot, and yet it is just plot that you already know if you know anything about Dracula as a story. Um, and so, like, that's not why I watch this movie is mm-hmm. there's a plot happening. Um, it just is the, like, very intense, over-the-top scenes. It's um, It's kind of funny that... In a lot of ways, this is, like, the most accurate adaptation. There, there are a lot of liberties, there's a lot of additions, there's a lot of cuts, but this is a pretty accurate adaptation of the novel, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and still, I feel like the plot is not the point of this film at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, it, it, in some ways, it makes sense, because this movie is so, like, concerned with formalism, and I think the novel is concerned concerned with formalism and the way that like you know the um the epistolary structure and the you know what can we trust from mina's diaries when she's under dracula's spell all these sorts of things um like uh, dracula is like a novel with a lot to chew on and this movie is not (laughs) but they're they're both interesting for the same reasons to me i guess is what i'm saying um yeah it's just that they're they're dealing in such different forms. Yes. Right? Yes. That like the novel is such is so much more of a narrative form than mm-hmm. film really is for mm-hmm. me at least. Um and so this is like how do we just like how do we just play with the form of film in ways to like create 
all of this extremely evocative imagery um mm-hmm. and how do we like push at what we can do with special effects and like again in a way that i really appreciate doing it in ways where the the intention i don't think in any of this um is necessarily like fidelity to reality even yeah. as like the growing of the you know vampire teeth and stuff is portrayed like very well mm-hmm. it still doesn't feel like the point of it is to make you really think that like you know is to like have this this illusion of reality like maintain like so much of this movie just feels like it it wants to like play at the theatrics of it mm-hmm. um in a way that's just wonderful to me um oh oh, oh. also um watching this movie as a person who like grew up on buffy to to some extent um i was pissed off as i realized like every like every like cool image of like what vampires are that i thought came from (laughs) buffy is just from this movie like joss whedon like like i think that i I think the vampires and buffy look cool i like the like weird like bestial way they look it's just this movie and i'm pissed i'm pissed yeah. that for for like 10 15 years i have just thought that like that was a buffy original and it's just this movie uh yeah. and, and also obviously because you know this movie cost a zillion dollars uh they look a lot better in this movie than they ever look in the show yeah. <laughs> other than like like spike and angel look great um the guys who get staked in five seconds, those guys look terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I also watched a lot of Buffy as a kid. Um, love it a lot. Have not gone back to it. Kind of feel like I would feel a lot less high on it if I went back to it. So I'm kind of just like happy having it exist in my memories. Um, the one thing I do feel like it would be fun to go back to, have you ever seen the film? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which also came out in 1992. Can I tell you how much of a nerd I am? Okay. <laughs> I have not seen the film because it isn't canon. But I have read the <laughs> script to the film because the script is canon to the television show. So that's where I'm at, like, with my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at some point I'm, I will maybe make you watch the Buffy the Vampire Slayer film. Um, unless that's like, we'll deal psychic damage to you to watch something that's not canon. I, (laughs) it's not that it's not canon. It's that like, there is, uh, there is like a reckoning with like how much Joss Whedon shit meant to me at a certain time that like, I... And I am constantly processing and also trying to ignore how much, like, Joss Whedon shit meant to me at a certain time <laughs> in my life. I am, like, constantly, like, fighting between these two things where, like, I know it's bad and I'm at peace with the fact that it's bad. And also, like, I can't stop caring about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, If I was going to... If I was going to do a Max Fun show, like if Export Audio was going to get bought by um, Max Fun or Radio Lab oh, or God. NPR or whatever, yeah. Buffy Rewatch Podcast, top of the list. No question. <laughs> That's like, 
we'd make money off that. I don't have it in me to do it. Like I don't, but like if there's a, there's a number you could write a check and it would happen. Um, yeah. Patreon. You can, uh, if you subscribe to the Patreon, there is no Patreon number. That's going to make that happen. Don't get your fucking hopes up. But, uh, <laughs> like if I was getting a salary that would happen, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how much more I have to say about this movie. No. I I, I love so much of it. This is one of my favorite movies in a really weird way. <laughs> it's like um you know, I was I was talking uh about like my favorite games earlier with Molly, just like off mic, obviously. Um playing Wind Waker is not like my favorite thing to do. I don't love playing Wind Waker, if I'm being honest. I think it's tedious and bad sometimes. But thinking about Wind Waker is my favorite video game. (laughs) (laughs) And similarly, there are some moments of this movie where I think it's tedious and bad. But thinking about this movie is fucking great. Are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) Gary Oldman, like, stares at people through... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through time and space and they become horny and start kissing <laughs> um, it's <yeah>. fucking great <laughs> um, yeah it was nice revisiting this honestly yeah. just as a, one of my favorite horror movies that I have not seen in a while it was um, nice seeing this for the first time as like dimly aware for years now that this is a movie i would love that like uh, like knowing my taste and knowing like sort of the reputation of this movie knowing i would like this movie and just being like oh yeah that's what i thought it would be and i had a great time you know it's good to just like cross one of those off so um do we have any more emails i know we read no just the one from m so okay we we do have one additional um Joao, as like full on friend of the pod, has the. If you follow me on my locked Twitter, you you now have like anyone who f- is listening to this and follows me on locked Twitter, you can send me emails just through the DMs there. That's fine. So Joao sent an email uh, over Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's two questions here. The first one is, which classic creature would you like to see become part of Dracula 3000 cinematic universe? So I am not familiar with Dracula 3000, really. So I'm gonna I'm gonna brush up real quick. But um, yeah, I'm. If also you have not... an answer, if you have an answer, go. If you don't have an answer, um, I can um, like vamp a bit about Van Helsing for a moment. <laughs> You've vamp about van helsing i kind of have an answer but i also want to look a little bit into dracula 3000 so Um. van helsing the 2004 film is supposed to like launch it was supposed to be like the first run at the 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 dark universe you know the universal monster like cinematic universe um and it's so funny because it's a movie in 2004 nobody we're st- you're starting to see the formulation of that. You're starting to see like the Spider-Man trilogy and the Harry Potter movies are like partway through and the Lord of the Rings just happened. Um, but people like it's not like formalized in the way that like 
Iron Man hits, and now we know how to make these, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Van Helsing is such a movie, it's such a funny movie, because it has a zillion of these sequel hooks, but also Van Helsing is a movie that, like, they wheel out, in that movie, you've got werewolves, Frankensteins, Draculas, like, Van Helsing himself, Jekyll and Hyde is killed off in the first scene. Like, you did you did all the big ones. You didn't, like, <laughs> you didn't save yourself any, you didn't, like, keep a Thanos in your back pocket, you know? What are you gonna do fu- next? Fucking the creature from the Black Lagoon? The mummy, I guess? They, they didn't save anything. Um, yeah. It, it, to, to, to make that movie in a very funny way. Um... But I do love the creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah, and the Invisible Man. Both of those are great dudes who I would love to show up. Uh, I think the Invisible Man in Dracula Three Thousand would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, my brain was originally going to the creature from the Black Lagoon just because um, I do love that movie, and I feel like it it doesn't get like the creature from the Black Lagoon has not had the like persistence through time in the same way. Um, I, it, I am familiar with the creature from the Black Lagoon via Guillermo del Toro, but in like the funniest way because I I have not seen the 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 movie he does that's ripping that off. What's it called? Um, I don't know. You're the del Toro one. Shape of Water. Thank you, Nora. Okay. Um. Uh, I have not seen that movie, but in the in the in the run up to um. Crimson Peak, Guillermo del Toro was very active on Twitter, and most days was just logging on and tweeting like, you know what's a really favorite book of mine? It's this obscure uh, vampire novel from 1886, actually, uh, and blah, blah, blah. And um, I remember him tweeting just like once a week, like, you know what's a great movie? The Creature from the Black Lagoon. This is like, you know, before The Shape of Water is announced, before any sort of production or pre-production is happening on that movie to my knowledge this is just like he's doing the press cycle for uh crimson peak and he just can't stop tweeting about how much he loves the creature from the black lagoon so i went and watched that movie that movie's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i would love that guy in dracula 3000 because i think you could just do like space alien who can swim through the void of outer space and just wants to be welcomed into oh, your spaceships that'd be fantastic <laughs> like just guy who can just hang out in the void but just wants to be let into your hearts and your spaceships um i think that's a good yeah i think that's good um i don't know if this counts as a classic monster but i also think that the adams family would be really funny to be folded into that cinematic universe um (laughs) i don't entirely know how you would represent it just like another spaceship where there's just a family living on there and they're like you know ftm for mtf uh be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) um the second question here is please create your own x directors y famous monster and then joe says hideaki anos carmilla um again just continuing to want to torment us by making me have to think about hideaki anos some more (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, um, Eddie Akiano's Carmilla is really bad. Doesn't even make sense. That's not even like a story that I think he has any interest in. Like, it's it's just coming up with the worst idea just to get a reaction, and I don't really want to. Yeah. I don't want to give uh, Joao like. I don't. I don't want to give that to him. Yeah. Uh, but um. Director's monster. Who? I. Go. You know, Guillermo del Toro's The Invisible Man or Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein. I feel like that's cheating. I don't want to do that. You know, I feel yeah. like that's obvious. Um, I have an idea. It's going to uh-huh. involve a digression, which is a thing that I forgot to mention earlier, but I, I was going to mention. Um, which is. So after I'd seen this movie. And, you know, I I think I read Dracula before I had to read it for school, like after I saw this movie. Um, And then for school, I read Dracula as well as Frankenstein. And I was like, I I love Frankenstein a lot more, actually, like as a book. Um, I'm I'm with you, like the way that you described, like, yeah, I like Dracula, but it's like it's not one of my favorite books by any means. Um, whereas Frankenstein is like fabulous to me and is Mm -hmm. also, um, I think what or what, uh, Frankenstein's actually doing very little of like cinematic adaptations of Frankenstein do this well. Um, cause so much of Frankenstein is like, it like creature from the black lagoon is actually a better Frankenstein movie than a lot of like Frankenstein movies I've seen. 100%. Um, 100%. And so I want to give Frankenstein to a director who I think will be able to like actually understand and pull out um, what's going on in it. And that's why I want to see Tsai Ming Long's Frankenstein. (laughs) 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 Um, Just like, you know, weird uh, homoerotic, like repression and, and like trying to deal with the hatred of society Um, just fully uh, like, you know, modernization and the ostracization of the self in the the modern state. It would be great. <laughs> I'm gonna um, because I was thinking about and and I, I was trying to go with like, not obvious choices, and then I thought I was like, okay, David Lynch doing blah blah blah, and then I was like, oh right, I haven't seen The Elephant Man, but like I, with. I don't know. Maybe the thing I'm about to say is problematic, but I assume that the elephant man is like pulling on like traditions of monster movies, you know? Um, so I, I, I was thinking about other things, um, I could pull from and, uh, just scrolling through my letterbox, looking at random seventies movies. Like there's gotta be a seventies movie that I think could like, like hit here. Uh, I, I would like to posit uh, Don Coscarelli's Dracula. <laughs> Just give me a phantasm movie about Dracula. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't care for John Dies at the end. I don't I I don't really know or care for Bubba Hotep. I've seen like a little bit of it and I think it's silly. Um, I just love Phantasm, and I think it would be fun to give that guy. You know what? Give that guy, like, the keys to, like, the the universal monster, like, universe, and, like, let him make, like, uh, 
a, a phantasm movie where you just have like 80 different monsters in there <laughs> yeah um uh so yeah that's it for emails people had so it. long to write in emails uh, well, we didn't do, you did, okay, you did a very good job of promoing this episode, uh, I didn't. Yeah. I, I just was like, it'll come out, whatever, I'm busy working. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, 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 one other just idea, just throwing it out there, um, you would have to time travel to like 1994 to make this happen, I think. But um, Bruce Tim Frankenstein. That's yeah. my other idea. Bruce Tim Frankenstein. But like, I don't want that movie in 2021. I extremely yeah. don't want that movie now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Yeah, if other people want to write in to future episodes, they can go. They can write into export odd or export audio podcast at gmail.com. I started yes. doing the, yeah, the, the other thing. You are. If you, yeah, if you go to export odd.io slash stairwell quality, you can look at what movies we're going to be watching next. Um, um, next time we're going to be watching dragon in a 67 classic of like, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's martial arts movies, but it was, there's like a specific subgenre of it that I'm not recalling to my mind um, right now. I uh, know this term, and it's like just slipping out of my brain right now. Um, uh, wuxia. Yeah, I, wuxia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. By King Hu, who's like a... So, I think... I forget if this is the first movie that he did after um going from hong kong to taiwan um but yeah he he kind of was working in hong kong um and then i think dragon Inn may have been the first one it was right around this time that he left yeah so in 1965 he left the shaw brothers studio um where he had completed come drink with me um and then came and, and started work on dragon Inn. Um, oh um before we get too far ahead of ourselves though we should rate the stairwell um, oh yeah i forgot so about had... it because i forgot about the stairwells in this movie <laughs> so here's the thing we finished up this movie and we're like were there any stairwells in this movie and we thought about it and yes there are of course stairwells leading up to ca- stairs leading up to castle dracula um there are there's a pretty complex there are a lot of miniatures in this movie i'm sure we mentioned that at some point but i don't remember when um there are a lot of miniatures in this movie and there is one shot um that uh, i recalled where uh i always think of this as a sam raimi thing um there's like a camera that like zooms up this like miniature set of um lucy's estate and then zooms back down um in in much the same way that like in the evil dead movies like there's a camera that like sort of zooms through the forest to like represent the evil basically um and uh then 
after that, like it, the the camera comes back down the stairs and it's sort of inviting Lucy, like come out into the, your weird hedge maze where you make out with women. Uh, <laughs> and Lucy's like puts on her, you know, most intoxicating red dress or red, not even a dress, like a night veil. Like I said, nightgown. Night nightgown. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um. <laughs> um. Anyway. And she's, like, coming down, and she's, like, you know, you see the hedge maze and the stairwell. These are both good stairwells. One, we didn't remember them. Yeah. And two, uh, you are competing with the the Bela Lugosi Dracula movie and the Murnau Nosferatu which yeah. have like the two most iconic stairwells in movies. I feel like if you're making a Dracula movie and you can't really bring it with the stairwells, like I got to dock you points for that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Francis. Like if you, if I had to think about what are the stairwells in this movie, I should not ever be thinking that in a Dracula movie. I should know the stairwells in my yeah. heart and soul. Um, so. Yeah. I, I feel like an F is too harsh, but like maybe a D minus. I could even I could even go up to a D because they are like perfectly fine stairwells, but I I, I, yeah. I my gut went to D minus. So Yeah. <clears throat> if this I wasn't feel... a Dracula movie, I would give it a C minus, maybe, you know? But Yeah, if it wasn't a Dracula movie and then also like this kind of feels bad to say because I'm like docking it for doing so much else but like this movie is so extra in so many other ways that it's just like you really could have right um there could have been like you know elaborate handrails on like you know marble steps and all all these sorts of things but they just didn't go there you know um so yeah d minus D minus. Love this movie. Great. Once again, a reminder that the quality of stairwell is in no way a reflection of the quality of the movie. Um, uh, we get we gave the hunger a B. This movie is unquestionably better than the hunger. No, yeah, and I, I love the hunger. I love the hunger. It's the, it's the re. I started this podcast with the hunger for a fucking reason. <laughs> um. Um, surprisingly despite being the like horny lesbian vampire movie the hunger not as fucky as yeah. <laughs> francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula there um, there is a scene where two women kiss and we have just totally not remarked upon it because it is somehow less fucky than all the scenes of women kissing men <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is uh not somehow but you know like less <laughs> yeah Less grabbing of our attention specifically, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, as two people who are always going to key in on the two women kissing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Next time, dragon in. Dragon in. Um. And after also, that, goodbye, dragon yeah, in. Goodbye, dragon in. And if you want to see fully ahead what we're gonna watch, you can go to that um, exportodd.io slash stairwell quality i think the two big ones that we haven't said on the podcast i i already alluded to this but you forced my hand on um funeral parade of roses after we do let me die a woman 
Um, and then we're getting into Yule territory. So I'm doing Tokyo Godfathers, and you haven't picked your Yule movie. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do... I got to pick a Christmas movie. My problem is that I hate a lot of Christmas movies, and I don't want to do the thing where I pick Die Hard, you know? Yeah. Um... The thing is, I don't know if this is going to be a regular thing in the same way that, like, yeah. horror movies is. Because yeah. I have, like, basically one Christmas movie, and it's Tokyo Godfathers. Right, right. I I have Christmas movies I like. The other thing is, like, uh, my mom and I had a tradition for a few years of watching Die Hard on Christmas. Uh, we weren't trying to be contrarian. We just both like Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. We're not going to watch Die Hard. You've seen Die Hard, or you haven't seen Die Hard because you're a weirdo. I don't know. Um, like, I don't need to tell you Die Hard's good. Uh, I don't need to tell you that, like, you know, Christmas Vacation is funny. Like, I got to find something that I could podcast about and don't hate. The other thing is that I hate a lot of Christmas movies. <laughs> Um, yeah. which is funny because I'm a hardcore Christmas person. So yeah, we both really like the season. <laughs> yes, not um, the films. Yeah, generally. but not yeah, not the movies. So except so, Tokyo Godfathers, I love that movie. Yeah, I watch it every Christmas. <laughs> the the other thing is, um, the Christmas traditions that Nora and I have are the Star Wars holiday special, which we'll be doing a different podcast about. And Star Wars 1977, which is just a movie that we watch on Christmas Day while eating food. Like, I'm not going to podcast yeah. about that. That's just yeah. Nora and I hang out and watch Star Wars every Christmas. Yeah. Emily and I are also probably not on Christmas Day. We usually don't do it Christmas Day. But, like, in the 12 Days of Yule, we usually watch the full trilogy, like, original trilogy. Mm -hmm. So that'll probably happen, but also... I've already talked about those on the podcast. I'm not going to like, I don't think we're doing a star Wars like episode of this podcast. And if we do, it's probably not going to be as a Christmas episode. Yeah. There's no star Wars movie. I think we could cover here. The only, yeah. the only thing that's within our wheelhouse, I feel like is 77. And I feel like we both, People know what we think about Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked about a lot of Star Wars movies on this podcast. You can go yeah. listen to them. You can go to the spreadsheet and see what episodes I talk about them on. It's mm -hmm. all there. It's all there. Binge of the Sith uh, is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, where can we find you online? People can find me at Foxmomnia on Twitter. Um, you can also follow me at Garfred Aloud and watch me read Garfield Aloud into a camera when, like, there aren't illnesses going through my apartment. Um, that's usually the main thing that prevents it from happening. Uh-huh. You can find me on Twitter at Atumble underscore coffee, all the podcasts at exportodd.io. Um, Nora and I are moving soon, um, to Chicago, which we're very excited about. Um... It has been a real drain on my bank account. So if you want to hit us up at the Patreon, please do that. <laughs> Dollar a month gets you access to everything early. Um, Five dollars a month, in theory, gets you a bonus podcast that we have not been able to per 
do because my job has been hell on earth. Um, but um, we we have a lot of people who are pledging more than a dollar despite not getting like many bonuses from that lately. And I really appreciate all of you. You are you all like just mean the world to me. Um, that it's not just like the content, but like just wanting to help us out that like drives that. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, oh, you just DM'd me. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention this too. Um, so Hot Singles is a podcast where um, Regs and I review albums. I am taking a bit of a hiatus from that podcast because of the move and because I've been working these hell weeks and because I just haven't had it like um, I haven't been in like a music mood. I needed to like recharge the engines on like that part of my brain a little bit. Yeah. But um, you and I were just chatting about uh, Christmas slash Yule music. Um, and we both just had two like very personal like albums for the season that we were like, wanted to talk to each other about a little bit and we were just like oh well we could just do an episode of hot singles about that so on december 1st which is like you know just over a month away or just under a month away as this drops um like it's a it's a little ways out but i'll, I'll just announce it now like we're gonna be doing a hot singles about um um Songs for Christmas by Sufjan Stevens and The Bells of Dublin by The Chieftains. So, yeah, look out for that. Uh, if you subscribe to this podcast, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you'll get that early, just like every other episode of Hot Singles. So, and it'll be in the same feed that you're listening to this in. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's <clears> everything. <throat> uh, I'm fucking sleepy, so I'm gonna say the outro. Okakoro is real. Okokoro is real. You know, our, our our music is really apropos this time. I'm glad we watched a Dracula movie so that the Bella Lugosi is dead. It makes sense. <laughs> we didn't talk about, because it doesn't play in the movie, there is an absolutely absurd, like, 90s power ballad that just plays at the end of the end credits of this movie that was apparently, like, a big hit in the ni- in 1992. Yeah. I didn't That's know that. That's probably what I'm going to open this with. Yeah, oh, great, you edit this. I, I just wanted to mention, like, we need to put that in the episode because it's a ridiculous song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Okakoro is real. Okakoro is real.
early this morning. 